as a business and as a person, this is much more important than doing this kind of one-off big change. Uh, it's trying to find these places all the time where you can do better, um, where you're doing routine stuff and can automate them, where there are certain bottlenecks for your customers, uh, finding these things over and over again uh, that, like you said, then will uh, sort of result in this exponential improvement. You're listening to the Client Catching Podcast, the show that uncovers how high-performing service-based business leaders are successfully navigating the ocean of complexity around growing their business. Now, as anyone with a talent and guts to start a business knows, it takes a lot more to grow one than just being great at what you do, and you can't do it alone. So this podcast will show you how other captains of their own ship, just like you, have found the right strategy to catch more clients, simplified everything, and transform their business. So if you're ready to do the same, then jump aboard and join me, Adam King, host and the captain at Think Like a Fish, and let's go fishing. Hey, it's Adam here, and thanks so much for tuning into the show today. Now, before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to let you know how you can get hold of a free copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing. Because inside, you're going to find 10 golden rules for B2B and professional service firms that consistently create client sales opportunities and drives revenue growth. And you'll find out how to do all of that using professionalism, ethics and good manners. So what you can do to get your free copy is go to the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And when you get hold of the book, what you're going to discover is a simple strategy to ensure that you consistently have a full calendar of motivated and qualified ideal potential clients who want to discuss doing business with you. And what I'm literally doing is giving away the exact entire strategy that my clients pay thousands to implement with them. Not only that, I share throughout the book links to templates, frameworks and workbooks that you can use to actually implement this strategy and get results. And it's all for free, no strings attached. In fact, there isn't even an opt-in. So please make sure you go and grab your copy on the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And if you want to grab some of the other gifts and resources that I offer there, please help yourself. So I hope you go and get the book. I hope you read it. And more importantly, I hope you do something with it. And when you do, I'd love to get your feedback on the results that you've got. But until then, let's get to today's episode. Well, hello and welcome to the Client Catching Podcast. Now, did you realize that right now your sales opportunity cost, it's almost certainly your fastest route to increasing cash flow. Now, you might be thinking, Adam, what on earth do you mean by that? Well, let me ask you if this sounds familiar. You meet an ideal potential client, let's say it's at a networking event and you hit it off instantly and that person says, oh, look, I've been really looking for somebody like you to help me out. We should talk. And you think, brilliant, a new client. But what tends to happen is this is usually where it goes wrong because you swap business cards, you say you're going to get in touch, but then you get back to the office and you just hit with a load of stuff that you, you know, just didn't get done while you were out of the office and you get busy and therefore you forget to follow up. Then after a couple of weeks, you're going through your trousers and you find that business card in your pocket and you think, oh crap, I was meant to follow up with that guy. So what happens? You quickly send a groveling email saying, uh, you know, please excuse the forgetfulness, but surprise, surprise, you get nothing. You get silence and then you forget again <laughs> because that's what happens, isn't it? And after a couple of weeks, you bump into them at another networking event and you're only there to find out that uh, they went with somebody else who they met at the same event that you first met them at except that person remembered to follow up. Now, that is how this follow-up failure leaves a lot of money on the table. And it's exactly what I mean by your sales opportunity cost. So how can you fix this and ensure that you never miss a follow-up again? Well, that's exactly what my guest today is gonna show you how to do. He is the co-founder and CEO of Salesflare, an intelligent CRM built for SMBs selling to the B2B market, which pulls customer data together automatically and then actively helps you to follow up. And like so many of the best solutions that I see out there, this was created to solve their own problem. They hated having to essentially manually track leads and, and they wanted an easier way to follow up, which basically led them to, you know, to build Salesflare. And just to see the value of not just this software, but of actually, you know, of following up in general. Some of his clients are making well in excess of $1 million more per year 
by doing nothing more than simply following up in a more efficient way. Now, how is that for an opportunity cost for you? So it's why I'm absolutely delighted to welcome my guest today on the Client Catching Podcast, Jeroen Cotart. Hello, Jeroen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. And um, I'm not sure if I... I know we practiced your name at the beginning and... Uh, did I get it right? I have a tendency to butcher mm, the names. No, you're, 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 uh, you had it right earlier, but you were going a bit fast now. It's more like Jeroen Courthout, at least with an English accent. Jeroen Courthout. Okay. So yes, my, uh, so um, tell the listeners where your, uh, where your accent hails from, first of all. Uh, my accent uh, is, uh, I speak Dutch as a, as a mother tongue, uh, but I'm not Dutch as in from the Netherlands. I'm from Belgium, from uh, Flanders, from the, the Dutch speaking version. Uh, I live in Antwerp, Belgium. Antwerp, cool. So how does somebody from uh, from Belgium get into um, CRMs and, and follow-up and, and helping people solve what's really a huge problem in business? And uh, we, we discussed it before the um, uh, before we started recording um, uh, mm-hmm. a, a little while ago. And follow-up failure is a virus that can, t- that can kill your business. So what kind of got you into this? I mean, I kind of alluded to it, but why don't you give yeah. me a bit of a background? Uh, the long background or the short background? Well, I mean, we've got, uh, what, roughly uh, 45 minutes for this, so it depends on okay. how long you want to go. Okay, well, uh, let's say that um, my very first CRM that I used was Salesforce. Um, I was working at a, as an account manager at a marketing consultancy, and um, we were big Salesforce fans in the company. Um, we would deploy it at uh, pharma companies because we mainly helped pharma companies and we would then build the whole campaign around it, uh, like all the marketing and sales data and all get to one place, uh, which was super interesting for reporting and all. We also used it internally. And as it was my very first CRM, I I, uh, tried to take it very seriously and try to really use it, uh, what it was uh, meant to be used for. So I, I started logging everything, um, the, the companies and then the contacts and what I then did with these contacts, uh, the opportunities. I tried to put in tasks in there, um, but I didn't do that for a very long time, at least not everything else than, um, let's say, contacts and opportunities. Uh, contacts were good to put on the, on the newsletter list, and opportunities so that management knew exactly what we were selling where, but all the rest didn't really uh, work uh, that easily. I was uh, quickly going back to organizing my emails and all that, and my calendar in Outlook, uh, my tasks in Wunderlist. These systems were just much more practical for this kind of uh, purpose, and there didn't seem like a whole lot of integration either. Uh, I was just duplicating information in, in, in Salesforce, let's say, in a way that seemed uh, yeah, like a, an enormous amount of work, not giving me much back. I mean, the things I had to do, I d- did them, but the rest, I just left after a while. So fast forward about four years, uh, my co-founder and I, we had a, a bunch of leads for a, another software company. Um, and we looked for a good way to follow these people up. Uh, and we looked at different CRMs and we understood that most of them are, are really not um, very practical sales follow-up tools. It seemed like a lot of uh, putting stuff in a database without getting much back. We started building our own simple system in a sheet, but still that we didn't really manage to fill out properly, uh, which means that we forgot to follow up at the, at the right times, that we followed up twice or stupid things like that and that we we forgot what was actually discussed and then we had to go look in our emails to find that back it's, it's it all seems like uh like like something weird and then we figured that actually all of the things that we were doing we were actually duplicating information so the fact that we emailed someone uh on tuesday that is in our uh, email system uh we were uh, often found ourselves copying email signatures to, to get the, the phone numbers and all this kind of thing. So that was also in our emails. Actually, a lot of contact information there. Um, then meetings were in our calendar, calls were in our phone. We tried to work with uh, email open and click tracking as well and, and linked website tracking, but that was also in another place. 
And in front of us, we saw a system that would actually connect to all these places, um, mm. get the information, uh, sort of offer it to us, and then we could easily curate it um, in a way that it would help us to keep track of the information. And as a result of that, also um, help us to uh, follow up with the leads um, because we would have all the information to do that. Mm. Now, over time, we've grown the system also to actively help with that follow-up because as soon as you have the data and you know when the last contact was, you know in what stage an opportunity is and all that, you can, for instance, say, okay, it's been um, five days in proposal made and nothing has happened. Maybe we should follow up again and we trigger uh, a suggested task, as we call it, to the salesperson to do that follow-up or an email stays unanswered or we have all kinds of um, mechanisms in the software to actively help salespeople to do the follow-up as well. Mm. And and there's there's a lot in that that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to in, in terms of like the frustrations when it comes to just managing A, the information and B, the tasks that you have to do with each of the individuals because not everyone is going to mm -hmm. be at the same stage. They're all going to be having different conversations and, and especially if you've got a complex sale and you've got multiple different sales reps that are involved in that process and multiple decision makers and all that kind of thing. It becomes a real challenge to keep on top of everything that you've got to remember. So before we sort of go into some of the things that you've been able to help a lot of people with, I want to sort of back mm -hmm. off a little bit and sort of think, right, when people talk about follow-up, some people may mean one thing, others mean will mean another. What, what, what do you, how do you define follow-up and what are some of the things that you think people get wrong with it, first of all? Yeah. Uh, if I would have to define follow-up, um, it's more than sending, hey, have you seen my last email or something? Because that's probably what you first associate with follow-up. Um, I mean, uh, guiding people through the sales process, uh, through the different steps at the right times in a, in an, uh, at a sort of pace that makes sense uh, to them. Um, and the momentum that they're having without losing their momentum meter. Uh, so it's sort of uh, a nicely paced guiding through the sales pipeline. Um, and that means that, first of all, uh, you need to have an idea of, of how that sales process or that sales pipeline looks. What are the different steps you take people through? Uh, that you need to have an idea of what is sort of the the deadline that people have in mind and the timing um, and um, how likely is the, the, the deal to die if you, if, you, uh, if you don't pick it up right now, if you don't jump on it and, and pull them through the process um, and that you know very well, like to the, to the day um, when you need to follow up people to, uh, to, to keep that, that, that cadence going. Um, they, because if you start missing it, at some point people either, they just lose the, the sense of, um, how can I say? Um, it's kind of like a sense so of urgency involved in- The sense of urgency. That, yeah, it's keeping it sort of top of mind and, and reminding them that they inquired about solving this problem. Therefore, yeah. it must still be a problem. So therefore, can we sort of help you fix it? essentially yeah the, 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 yeah and it's 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 not that it might not be a problem anymore per se uh but people uh deal with a lot of things uh, and often uh if if they uh don't stay on a problem somehow their priorities start shifting mm. and all of a sudden the the priority of the problem that they're trying to solve with you um goes to the bottom of the pile and that's sort of when you lost it, you could have solved the issue for them, but you took so long that it just, it just didn't happen mm. or yeah. someone else fixed it for you. Like, like you said, in the intro, it could also very well be that someone else was a bit quicker uh, and just made it easy for them to solve the, the problem uh, at their pace and, and you lost out. Yeah. It's, it's very much a strategic approach, isn't it? It's, it's almost mm -hmm. starting with the end in mind and thinking, right, this is, in an ideal world, this is how I would lead a client through the sales process, the client journey, my pipeline, like however people want to define it. 
But if you haven't even thought through what that process would be, well, that's first of all, the, I, I would suggest the first thing that you do, even before you even start looking at systems like, like you guys. And do you find a lot of people that will either come to you or, or start having conversations with you and then some of your guys, they will ask the question, okay, so tell me about your sales process. And it's a little bit all over the place. And so you almost have to be part of that education to sort of go, right, well, first mm -hmm. of all, before you even think about this, you need to think about your process because you can't systemize something that isn't process-led. Do you find that is quite yeah. a common thing? That is quite a common thing. Although, yeah, what we what we do have in our software is a, is a sort of standard sales process um, on which you can map most. So it starts from uh, having a lead, uh, that, contacting that lead, and qualifying that lead to see whether it's a lead that you can sell to, uh, making a proposal, and then either the, the lead uh, is, is won or lost. Um, that's what we offer standard that, that people can start with if they don't have an idea. And um, something is, is, is obviously better than nothing when it comes to a sales process. Um, but if you don't start adapting that sales process to the actual buying process and that your customers are expecting, um, then you will start leaving a lot of money on the table as well because you, you'll, you'll start trying to force them uh, through steps that don't make any sense to them. Um, and that's not what sales is about. Sales is about really guiding people uh, from, from having a problem and wanting a solution to the right solution. Um, in a way that, that, that they see themselves deciding on it as well. So, I mean, I've sort of uh, teased a little bit there as well in the, um, in the introduction around one of your clients that, uh, or, or a number of your clients that have seen a massive impact in their business just by getting this bit right. And some of them are making well in excess of a um, you know, million dollars, uh, whatever currency you uh, you're listening to this in. You know you can you know, change it and, and think about just the impact it would have on your business just by following up more efficiently. So, would, are you able to give us an idea of of kind of the before and then the after of of what their situation looked like, or just one of them, or or in general, and what they were able to do, and then how obviously I've kind of given away the punchline at the end with the uh, with the improvement in the revenue, but. Yeah, how how did it? Not necessarily just from a, a, a results and revenue point of view, but how does their business look like? What do their processes look like? How much easier is the is it for them in order to do that? Having gone through using what you guys you guys offer. Yeah, so um, the the regular customer either comes from uh, something like Excel, actually mostly Excel or Google Sheets. Um, or from some CRM that they weren't really using, sort of the, the, the two uh, possibilities. Uh, in case of Sheets, um, mostly um, they either uh, going, go away from the founders doing the sales um, and they hire a first salesperson and they want to be able to coach that person, have a bit of oversight and this kind of things. But it also happens often that it's a team that has been using uh, sheets for a while uh, and starts seeing that a lot of these leads are dropping um, because the, the sheets don't really make it very easy to do the follow-up. And in the case that uh, people were using a, a CRM that was too cumbersome, the same thing happens because um, if you don't do the data input in a CRM, you don't have the data there and the whole system fails. And it's, and it's very easy to make it fail um, because if a, even if you have, let's say 50% filled out, uh, it's not enough. Uh, you need to have 100% filled out if you want to do proper follow-up. Uh, so at that point, people start looking for solutions. Um, they come uh, to us uh, if, they, if they look uh, well enough at least. Um, and then um, what they start doing is um, importing that data over uh, to our CRM. Uh, we start um, importing a lot of things with it. So their whole um, email and, and meeting timelines and contacts and all it starts uh, automatically be populated. Then people, like we discussed, um, 
build in their sales process in uh, Salesflare. Uh, some of them don't know what sales process is, but if they come from somewhere else, they at least had something already. Um, and the end result is easier collaboration. It's better follow-up. Actually, when I ask um, salespeople, uh, so like the end users, what they're using Salesflare for, the answer is always um, to follow up leads better. Um, while if I ask management, uh, it will be things like for the salespeople to follow up leads better, obviously, or it is something like accountability and transparency and having a better oversight. Hmm. Um, and I did customer interviews actually in December. Um, and one of our um, customers, uh, it's a company in, in Southeast Asia that makes software, uh, they told me that they, um, they follow up quite a lot better now, which makes that they, like you said, um, save or win. It depends the way you look at it. Uh, 1 million US dollars per year. Uh, and then actually, um, it was in, in March, I think, when the pandemic uh, came along. Uh, they got on the chat really early, just just beginning of lockdown, and they said we need to start saving money because of of COVID and all. Uh, we're gonna cancel our plan. So I get back to them and I say, so you're like saving a million, uh, and you are uh, paying us a uh, hundred and five a month because you have three users. That's three times thirty five. Uh, do you think that is a a good idea? So they <laughs> not good maths, is it? <laughs> they sort of came back on that idea and said, yeah, yeah, maybe not. No, or we can keep this license. It's fine. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, it's natural, isn't it? In you know, in the circumstances that we've had, it's, it's never happened before. And, and, and naturally we're all looking at, right, what can we cut and all the rest of it. But sometimes mm -hmm. when you really look, you have to look into things and actually go, well, where is the biggest return for all of the investment that I'm getting? And that is why I talk about that sales opportunity cost being the fastest route to cash flow because it tends to be that sitting in a lot of companies, and, and I find this a lot as well, just within your your past lead, your past clients, your, um, your prospects that you've had that hasn't sort of converted or it's gone cold, you generally have a pretty, you, you have a, a large chunk of cash flow sitting there and you don't even realize. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're able to organize that and keep on top of it, you will realize that over time as well. But one of the first things that you can do is literally go, okay, I need to bring in some cash flow to the company. Well, rather than think, right, I'm going to go invest a load of money in something, you know, Facebook ads or some form of marketing or the rest of it, start with what you've got because you've worked hard to get them. So go back and, and yeah. either just re-engage them, ask a question, hey, did you ever solve this problem? Like very simple or make an offer that is relevant to, hey, you inquired about this and blah, blah, blah. Obviously, um, you just want us to know that we're, st you know, we're still here and we have um, just improved our service by offer, you know, by adding X, Y, and Z. Would you like a conversation about it? And you will find mm -hmm. that people will go, oh, okay, let's have that conversation because that's all you're trying to do is it's keep the conversation going. Like ultimately with follow-up, yeah. that's how I look at it. It's keeping a conversation going because, you know, we've all been at those, uh, you know, events, parties, whatever you want to go to sort of, and you meet someone new and then you sort of get to a point in a conversation where it's kind of just died and you then go, okay, nice to meet you. And, th and then you wander off and you, you know, you might not see them again. Whereas the great conversations, the people that you meet and you are just hitting it off and hitting it off and hitting it off. And you continue that conversation by asking great questions, following up with interest about that person, but then leading a conversation in a particular way. And those are the people that you sort of come back from an event or, or party or whatever and you're like i met this awesome person they remember mm -hmm. you and that's kind of what you're doing with this follow-up definitely even, yeah you're yeah. you're building a relationship mm -hmm. um by keeping the conversation going um i think to some extent it's just keeping the conversation going especially if they're not ready to buy at that point or something um another part of it is 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 trying to solve their issue in a in the right timely way um it's two things i definitely believe in what is the 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 main challenge there um is doing that at scale because if you only have one lead it's not very hard you can remember to you know it's like 
calling your 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 best friend or whatever that's not too hard um but if you you have like over 10 20 uh going at the same time and it starts becoming complicated and that's why Mm. why you need to build a system or or get a system uh, so that you can start still deliver that sort of um one-on-one follow-up feeling where uh it's 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 like you're uh you're you're not treated as a number as as a prospect um but this happens at at scale Mm. and that's that's a hard thing we're not built for that as humans uh, for doing that so that's why i need to find a solution for that yeah and, and and what i love about sort of some of the things that you've said about what you guys have built there is it, it's like reminders like it, it it it's almost like an artificial intelligence that reminds you to do certain things it's like having a personal assistant or a secretary sort of sitting next to you and reminding you right okay i you know i've looked at everything that came in you know last week or this week or whatever it is and it's sort of like okay it's been three days remember to do this or it's like that to me i mean we had the conversation about the 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 vital you know nature of 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 building systems in my business just to remind myself to do things to follow up to do things and you know i've i use them in my life i mean my my watch buzzes all the time i have my phone buzzes with reminders with certain things that just remind me to do Mm -hmm. things because otherwise i forget because it's impossible to keep everything in your head so I love the way that it doesn't just sort of like organize it, but it, then it actively helps to trigger things that you need to do to follow up. And that is yeah. that in itself is huge. Uh, to your point, by the way, lots of companies also get an assistant to fill out the CRM. Uh, they don't just uh, have an assistant to help with the follow-up. It's actually a salesperson does not uh, do the, the, the input. So there's uh, an assistant actively doing that it's it and i didn't know that this existed before uh before we started this but this happens all the time mm. um and sometimes they even still uh keep doing it when they get on salesforce and then i need to say like <laughs> this is not the way things should happen mm. i mean the system already does so much uh it's to help the salesperson and not to be some sort of uh mm. database uh, that 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 an assistant needs to keep up to date yeah, I mean, I, um, I can recall um, managing CRM systems and putting CRM systems into companies I've worked in and all the rest of it. And the number one thing that salespeople always, always complain about is having to do my own CRM, having to put my own data, having to manage my data, all that kind of thing, because salespeople want to sell. Like, that's what they want to do. They want mm-hmm. to make commissions. Let them do that. Don't let things like admin and data input take up a chunk of their time because I, can't, I, I rent a, a statistic... Um, the other day it's like salespeople only end up spend 86 percent of their time doing things other than make you know than sales mm-hmm. that's insane Definitely. like that is insane like a tiny tiny amount of time actually spent doing the activity that they're employed to do and that actually actively generates revenue or drives revenue in a business 86 percent of their time they're doing other things and i'm sure not all of it is facebook or twitter or whatever um, you know, a lot of it is just the stuff that you need to do and especially if you're in a company that's running sheets for example like you referenced at the beginning it's it's so much time wasted and just think that in itself is an opportunity cost that is hidden in your business because if you can remove that all of that time is freed up that could be hours and Mm -hmm. hours and hours and hours a month a year how much time is that worth if your salespeople are out doing the thing that they need to be doing yeah yeah and it's and it's not just filling out the crm there's so many things where uh, with software, you can start making a difference. There's so many stupid, like routine tasks that are really administrative things that a, a computer can do much better. It's like, uh, for instance, uh, booking meetings, just use a meeting scheduler. Uh, there's no need to be afraid of doing that anymore. And everybody knows that. So you just say, you can, uh, you can find a good moment to talk uh, on this link. People click on it. They can choose a moment that fits well in their calendar. Done. You don't need to send ten emails back and forth. Uh, there's things like repetitive emails that you can start using email templates for, so you don't need to type the whole thing every time. Uh, you can uh, track emails. 
so you know at least whether people have opened and clicked. So that information makes that you um, can make a better decision of, of whether to follow up and when and all that, uh, instead of just shooting in the dark. Uh, there's uh, voice over IP solutions that make it much easier to, for instance, if you're in Salesforce and you click on a phone number that it can uh, trigger that and just quickly call from there. Uh, everywhere, there's all this kind of uh, small improvements you can make, mm. uh, which makes that you can spend so much more time actually doing things uh, that you're supposed to do as a salesperson, which is really connecting with uh, with customers because that's what you're hired for. And mostly what salespeople are good at, uh, salespeople are not necessarily good at, at, at IT stuff in most cases, uh, rather slow at it. Uh, there's exceptions, obviously, but uh, mostly salespeople are, are uh, people that like to interact with other humans. Uh, so they should be able to, to focus their time there instead of on, on software things. Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, it, it just sort of makes me think, uh, and it's come up a few times with a few other guests on this podcast, it's, it's, it's not looking at this and thinking, I have to have the whole thing working straight away. It's making small incremental improvements. And doing that sort of over time. So it's getting the bare bones, mm -hmm. let's say, you know, your system, having that in there, getting the minimal viable version of that working so that you're automating certain things. You've got your calendar set up, all that kind of thing. Um, you've got your process dialed in. But then it's what are the incremental improvements that I can be doing on a weekly basis that would just make that 1% improvement. You know, improvement in productivity, time saving, um, following up, whatever that ends up being. But that 1% every day or every week it adds up in multiple different areas to a huge uh, it's like an exponential improvement in terms of what you get out of it at the end but i often find having sort of implemented these various type and sales forces one that i've done um, way way back and you know, all that kind of stuff it's like people want the whole thing just ready to go yeah but it's like yeah. you have to kind of understand how to a use it make sure the people that are using it are using it in the best way before you just load everything on them and expect them to be perfect. It doesn't work like that with anything new. You've got to kind of build the habits as well. As you know, as automated as it can be, there is still habits that you need to form. So that's why I think that I found that that's one of the biggest mistakes. I'm not sure if that that's that matches how you've seen things, but no, I agree. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people that try to uh, all of a sudden like they decide there needs to be a change. For instance, there is a new uh, VP of sales or something, and they want to, to just rebuild everything. And they, they, they see everything as one huge project and they're just going to deliver it like that uh, to the sales team. And then the sales team is just going to absorb it and it's all going to be solved. And it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, first of all, you, you often make huge mistakes when doing that. It, it doesn't work for the sales team because they can, they, they like, like you said, they need to change habits over time. Um, and the, the, the third thing is that if you work like that, you, you, you don't build in the sort of habit of continuous improvement, uh, which, which, which we believe is very important. Uh, as a company, we, we, we even have a thing called habits. Uh, where we have uh, certain uh, types of improvements uh, defined um, that we do every month so that we um, keep putting in that consistent effort uh, towards building more value for our customers and, and growing as a company. Um, and I believe as a business and as a person, this is much more important than doing this kind of one-off big change uh, it's trying to find these places all the time where you can do better, um, where you're doing routine stuff and can automate them, where there are certain bottlenecks for your customers, uh, finding these things over and over again uh, that, like you said, then will uh, sort of result in this exponential improvement. This is, uh, yeah. Mm. It's often people say 1% every day and then they, they do to the power of 365 and then you get this huge number uh yeah and um, it won't work like that every single time but the the, the concept is is sound because it's it's those mm -hmm. small improvements each and every time and and i'm sure you know if i was to ask you about when you first started as in to today 
like you as a person and and your business will look very very different i'm sure i mean so thinking about that i mean how what do you think in terms of the business and yourself like what has been some of the biggest changes that you've seen happen from when you started to where you are now in terms of the learning the understanding and maybe some of the ways you've gone about growing the business um so many things i'll start uh, selecting um our software definitely went from uh, to give you an idea of that um it started from uh, a plugin that would show you next to your emails uh, what sort of the timeline was with each customer it made it very easy for you to uh, create a new customer next to your emails um, that's still something that exists but salesforce has become uh, uh, so much more at some point people were like yeah we get the idea of a plugin and we like it but where is that app uh, thing mm. and things just grow from there so you you start with a very pretty much of a core idea uh, and people always bring you new things and you start of sort of visualize uh, the road ahead even though you have a, a vision of where to go uh, the road is something that you need to uh, define together with customers um, because otherwise it's, it's just you start building something that doesn't make sense mm. yeah um, I mean there's there's before you go on because I, I want to sort of pick up on that because I, I love that you gave that as one of your first answers thinking about it because I find that the biggest or one of the biggest reasons why people struggle with their marketing or, or by growing a business or anything it, it's basically because there is a complete failure to actually listen to your market, your client, and actually listen to what they are telling you because you can get so attached to your thing, your product, and mm -hmm. you are not listening like to your, your, your client or your customer and they're telling you that we want this, we want this different, we want something else. Like if, if you hadn't have listened to your customers, you'd have carried on with a plug-in and who knows whether you'd still be here or not, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to listen to your client and then... I guess, adapt and a change based on what that feedback is. And constantly, because at the end of the day, without your clients, you do not have a business. So why would you not? But some people are so attached to their idea and the thing and all the rest of it. And they're just like, no, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. Whereas, mm -hmm. and, and you mentioned it earlier as well, and I definitely picked it up that, you know, you are a client-led business and I can tell that because you even mentioned earlier around, um, I had client interviews like feedback interviews and stuff like that so that's something mm -hmm. i'm guessing that you have built into your follow-up with your clients because a lot of people don't necessarily think about that they think the follow-up is what you do to get the sale but what about the follow-up afterwards like what do you do after the sale to talk to your clients mm -hmm. to um, make sure that they're happy to carry on giving a great service all that kind of thing there's so much more that it can do and generate for you because referrals all that kind of thing recommendations they exist or they happen because people feel valued by you and they think that what you can give another person is valuable and it will make them look good like it's mm -hmm. all that yeah and um yeah that was that was something that stood out for me there with with what you said and and thinking has has things changed then in your business in terms of how you've generated business to how you generate business today you know getting your first clients for example was that different to how you do that today? Totally different, yeah. Yeah, we started off with um, a very sales-heavy uh, sort of process um, where I would do business development. Uh, I would do demos. I would uh, put people on the software. Uh, that means even connecting their email account. It was, it was pretty hard in the beginning when we started Salesforce, and now it's very easy. Now I just go on the software, Google, and it works, but it didn't. That worked that way in the past. Um, I would then um, help them in the setup. Like, uh, okay, we're going to set up your pipeline. or your sales process look? Do you want some custom fields? Look, you can make custom fields. These custom fields have kind of different types. I would do literally everything, follow up with them. Um, that is something that gradually we started uh, taking away uh, different parts of the process where uh, today... Um, in some cases, I'm still getting on a call, and this is uh, something that uh, my colleague Taylor will, will soon take over, but uh, um, to sort of see um, 
what their specific case is uh, to then think along with them. Uh, but all the other things are automated. So uh, the, the, we get a consistent stream of leads. I don't need to go, uh, go do business development. Uh, they just connect their, their email address. They get on the software to get a sort of walkthrough automated. And after that, they get a, a setup guide. The setup guide tells them what the steps are that, that they should take. Um, and you actually get uh, extra trial days when you go through these steps. So it sort of motivates people as well. There's always a little article and a, and a, and a, and a video. So there, it's also explained if, uh, if, uh, if that helps. Uh, you go through the steps, then we start automatically uh, following up with you. The first message might be automated because we, we are not robots who look at every new customer and then look at all the data and then start sending messages. It's like, yeah, at, at the right time, this sort of trigger and it says like, hey, um, are you finding all the features? Uh, can we help? Um, things like that. And then obviously the conversation is there. So we can, we can help you with, with things you find. We'll ask you feedback. I'll automatically connect with you on Facebook. Also ask you for feedback. How are the first impressions uh, I asked to everyone? Mm. Um, and then we, we get to know you as a, as a customer and get you through the process. Um, but it's so different from, from, from early stages. Now, I'm not saying that the early stages were wrong. Uh, it was perfect for then. Um, then we uh, didn't have a lot of leads, which means uh, we would we needed a much higher close ratio. So that was one of the reasons to do uh, a full process. Uh, they would never have gotten through the process if it were, if it were self-guided. Mm. <laughs> no one, I think. Uh, so that's a good reason as well. And I can also um, imagine and, that it's helped you create that process, that automated exactly. process, as you've got it That now, was my because, next point. Yeah, I mean, yeah. without going through that, that would have been so hard to create because you wouldn't have ironed out all the kinks or heard how people were reacting. And, and, and that itself is another great example of the power of follow-up. Because I think, mm -hmm. as we said, it's not just about making the sale or it's not just about, you know, reminding, hey, did you see my email? Did you get my quote, all that kind of thing. It is a follow-up process that continually makes sure that what you're delivering to somebody is actually doing what they expected it to do, first off. And then second yeah. of all, it is is what they have got actually solving the problem that they need solved. Yeah, and doing it in exactly. a way that they like. So uh, yeah, there's so much. Um, I find, yeah, follow-up is is a such a huge subject, but it's also one that is so well, it's so misunderstood within what you can do with it. I mean, follow up, maybe we maybe shouldn't call it follow up, call it something else, but the whole onboarding process, the aftercare, like that's all a follow up, but we don't mm -hmm. think about that. Like that in Yeah, itself, I don't know what we should what we should call it. Uh, I think follow up is the only word we have in English. Um, but indeed, yeah, follow up, it sounds like you're sending a follow up email or mm. something, which is which is not what it is. Mm. It's really guiding people through the process, yeah. uh, understanding them, uh, handing them the right solutions, making sure that the way it's set up for them is slightly different than for, for the other person, um, getting them through the little uh, difficult moments, like uh, a data import, uh, for instance, mm -hmm. it often is a bit more complicated. You need to clean up your data a bit before you put things in because otherwise uh, weird stuff happens, you know. Uh, that's all follow-up yeah and the amount of uh yeah money left on the table by not doing it well like you can just hit like there's so many points of failure along that path that if you don't yeah. understand first of all the strategy that you're going to be following in, in that not just from the pipeline but then you know afterwards onboarding just think what are you trying to do is it increase revenue is it reduce mm -hmm. time spent on certain tasks because that in itself you know, improves profitability because you can have people doing more things or different things that are higher ROI driven, that kind of thing. And really before I would suggest thinking about, right, okay, what am I going to do with my follow-up? It's like, what do you want your entire client journey to look like? Like, can you mm -hmm. explain from start to finish and not, I don't mean no, nobody's ever heard of you and then buys something. It's how do you get somebody's attention? 
How do you engage them? What do you, you know, what happens during that process? How do you get them to put up their hand? How do you get them to either request information to the point where they want to have a conversation? And then what do you do in that follow-up process to keep them informed, blah, 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 blah. How do you make the sale? What is that process? How is that follow-up managed? And then what happens when somebody says, yes, I'm going to be a client, signs on the dotted line, makes mm -hmm. the payment, what immediately happens after that? And then how do you guide through somebody through that process? And what happens then when they've reached a point where maybe they're not necessarily using you anymore because you've solved their problem, but then other things that will happen after that? If you cannot say what that process is all the way through from a strategic point of view, that's the first thing you should do, I think. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. But but rather from a high level, I, I I would say don't don't make it too complicated at the start. Just map out the process in a in a rough way, hmm. um, and then start doing the process. Go through it manually. Uh, see uh, where there's some embarrassing moments in the process where it doesn't really fit customers. Uh, listen to customers what they actually want, and then you can start improving on that it's this uh, continuous improvement that we were talking about earlier and after a while uh, after going through it many many times you will understand better and better how customers actually um, would like it to to go and it will seem seamless it will seem like you've made this perfect process out of nowhere but actually it's a it's a it's a it's a long work um it's a yeah it's, yeah it's like that in, in many fields it's 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 the practice that makes perfect in the end yeah it is and um i do think i i was fortunate enough this weekend to um go and play around a golf for the first time since you know this whole uh lockdown thing mm -hmm. happened and all the rest of it it just makes me think it's like you look at the some people that play golf and you look at them that you think they've got the perfect golf swing right i walk yeah. onto a course after six months and think right i've watched a few youtube videos and i've watched a bit of the majors and all the rest of it i'll just turn up and you know whack it like rory mcelroy it did mm. not happen like it does not happen because the golf swing while it looks like one big fluid movement it's made up mm -hmm. of very you know a lot of small intricate sort of movements and yet there was me trying to just try and whack the bloody ball if you're able to think, right, what is the most minimal viable way I'm going to get this ball off the ground and nearer to the hole than, you know, where I started? I'm going to start with that because I haven't played for six months. And then mm -hmm. maybe I can go and practice and add little bits and all the rest of it. Unfortunately, I didn't start like that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the same sort of analogy, I think, when it comes to really anything in business. Like you're not going to suddenly get mm -hmm. up there and drive the ball like Tiger Woods, right? You're not going to suddenly have this all singing, all dancing, beautiful process and system when you've not had anything like that done before. So start with the basics. What is your, I'm going to butcher my golf analogy now, but um, you know, what's your stance look like? What's your setup? How do you do the small, the first bit you take away? All that kind of thing. And it's like, okay, just mm -hmm. work on those little bits first. What are the basics, the fundamentals? You know, you can see here, like I've got the, um, the Morsing poster and I used to teach snowboarding and I, I, I back in my day and it always was the same thing. It came down to the fundamentals. The stance and the balance was a thing that was 95% of the time wrong with people. They stood on it wrong. And it's like, they just want to know how to do, you know, the, the, the complicated stuff and all the rest of it. It's like, right, yeah. okay, you need to adjust your stance. You need to stop leaning back because it's like riding a bike. And if you lift the front wheel off, you've got no steering. So that's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. Start getting, you know, more centered, all that kind of thing. It's the same thing. And I'm going off on one of my tangents, but I'm so, I'm such a big believer. And if you just get the foundational pieces right, then you can build on it. Mm -hmm. And and it's exactly the same with, um, you know, like a, a system like yours, you've, you've done a lot of the blooming hard work, right? Cause you give people the foundation. Like that is yeah. the foundation. So it's a then about understanding how to use that foundation in the correct way. And so I think that gives me a, you know, a great sort of segue into sort of saying, right, where would somebody go to take a look at the software that you have created? And is there, a, is there something there that you can take a look at and try it out, anything like that? Yeah, definitely. It's easy, it's just our, soft, uh, our, our website. Uh, which is uh, salesflare.com and flare is uh, in case you're wondering f-l-a-r-e um, like a flare yeah um, and uh, at the top right there's a button i think it says free crm trial um, like i said that it, uh, it's a sort of uh, variable length trial so it starts with seven days 
but as you set up the software, you can get to 30. And if you invite team members even more, um, and during that time, you can freely start using the software. And then as the trial ends, you just uh, subscribe and can, can keep using it. Yeah. And, and, and just hearing some of the things that you have put into your follow-up system or your onboarding system, it would mm -hmm. be a good education to go through it. I would suggest and think about, is there things that I can learn from somebody or a company that has invested a lot of money into understanding and sees a lot of other companies doing similar things? What can I learn from the way that they do this? What trigger points are that you can I see that they're using with me? Like the whole thing about gamifying things like that's a great idea. Mm -hmm. Why don't you gamify your follow up? I don't know. It's, it's just little things like that. You can pick up from other people and, and by learning and seeing what they do. Is, is almost as valuable as sort of listening and, and listening to the teachings, I think. So, um, yeah. yeah, I definitely, and I'll put the, note, uh, the link in the show notes as well. Um, you know, from you personally, is there a, a place you like to connect with people if they have questions, for example? Uh, like I said, I connect with everyone who gets on the software, at least I try to uh, on LinkedIn. Cool. Uh, if you want to connect, LinkedIn is the best place, but with a, with a message. So I know you come from the Client Catching Podcast. And it's not some random person who wants to sell me another thing. Because um, we all get those. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you ever so much for joining me. It's been a really interesting conversation. And for me, I think this is one of the things that if people can really sort of like understand, especially if they've been in business for a while, like if you're brand new listening to this, you might, you know, you don't have that sort of build up in, you know, over time of, of, of things that you've got in your business and the network and the, prospects and all that kind of thing but if you have been going for a while there is probably gold sitting right there and you just have to reach out and take it and this is a, a way that you can organize that process and uh yeah maybe you've got a million dollars sitting there and you just don't realize so uh Thank you ever so much, Jeroen. Thank you for coming and joining and sharing me with your your knowledge and your wisdom and um, what you guys have built. And uh, all that's left to say is happy fishing. Thank you. Had fun. So there we go. That's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got some great ideas and, and found it really valuable. And you've got some things that you can now go off and do in your own business to help grow your business and attract and catch more clients. And if you have found it valuable and you can think of just one other person that may find some of these ideas helpful and, and, and help them grow their business, please share it with them because they'll thank you for it. So also don't forget to grab a copy of my book, Conversational Relationship Marketing from the podcast gift page at thinklikeafish.co.uk forward slash podcast gift. And all that's really left with me to say is thank you ever so much for listening today. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there you could be listening to. You've chosen this one. And for that, I am truly, truly grateful. If you're a first time listener or a, or a long time listener and you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do because you'll get updated of the latest episodes every time they come out. And if, again, you are enjoying it, I'd really, really appreciate a honest rating review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one personally, and they do really mean the world to me. And yes, they help others find the show. If you're able to do that, again, I massively, massively appreciate it. But until next time, happy fishing.